This episode of the Productivity is Podcast is brought to you by the University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. Fall quarter is coming up and registration is now open. So what I want you to do is listen to this episode. I'm going to share with you an offer code during this episode that's going to help you save 15% off of one course from the UCI Division of Continuing Education. There's lots of great stuff that they offer. Uh, I'm happy to have them back as a sponsor, and I can't wait to share more with you, but I also can't wait to start this episode. So let's do that now. Welcome to the Productivity's Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, I'm joined by Joel Heath. Joel is the founder and CEO of Fluid Stance, the world's first work platform that elicits subtle movement where you're stuck working. His personal purpose is to move the world, and his latest endeavor, Fluid Stance's purpose, is to help set the world in motion. I should know, I'm standing on one of the Fluid Stance uh, balance boards right now. Uh, it, you know, I'm using my standing desk more now for podcast stuff, mainly because I find that I'm you know, actually moving a lot more and, and gesticulating more, which helps me with my conversations. But also, I found that uh, when I was sitting in my old podcasting chair, which is now in the rec room area, um, I was losing value valuable real estate in my office, but also I felt that I was maybe pulling my hip out a little bit just because of the way it sat. Um, this, I'm not having a problem with this thing, although like us, you know, I mean, this is, this is definitely, I'm trying to keep my balance here. So, uh, what's interesting too, is maybe, uh, maybe it's all this met pro stuff. The fact that I'm in much better shape now that's helping me. Now, this episode's been in the can for quite a while, so you might hear some stuff that uh, may not necessarily pertain to the current moment as we're kind of releasing these episodes in the summer right now, but there's lots of great stuff here and I can't wait to share it with you, so I'm just going to get to it right now. This is my conversation with Joel Heath here on the Productivityist Podcast. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome Joel Heath to the Productivityist Podcast. Joel, thanks for joining me today. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the time with you guys. So, I am right now looking at uh, what I have is the fluid stance deck is the one I have. And uh, I'm looking at it because I'm not using it right now. And I'll explain why I'm not using it right now, because I want to get into first, we're going to talk about what, what it is. But also, the reason I'm not using it right now is because when I first got it, I used it for things like hour long coaching calls and hour long podcast conversations right out of the gate. And we're going to explain why that I think you're going to you're going to tell me that wasn't a good idea right out of the gate <laughs> right out of the gate but 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 I want to get into it. so first off can you talk to me for those people who are listening that don't know about fluid stance what it is you're the founder of the company and what it is that that fluid stance offers uh so that cuz I think that they're like I said I I'd, I'd seen it before but I'd never really tried one and it's it's pretty darn cool oh, I appreciate it yeah, Fluid Stance, our purpose is to help set the world in motion. We believe that the sedentary lifestyle that a lot of us have adopted, even looking at my kids in kindergarten, how their kindergarten experience is different than what I have, is just being stationary has really become um, a norm rather than the exception where it used to be. The chair used to be a place where you found relief, and now the chair has become an anchor in your life. And so, you know, I, I had a very active life in my first business, uh, had an agency based in Vail, Colorado. So it was very common for us to have a, uh, a staff meeting on the chairlift or go for a quick hike. And when I took a corporate gig in the footwear industry, all of a sudden I went from skiing 60 to 80 days a year to all of a sudden sitting on my butt 60, 80 hours a week. And uh, my mojo just changed. And I started to look for ways to find 
movement while I could maintain that productivity. So I set out and uh, look for options to be able to maintain that stationary lifestyle that I now had to operate in, but find ways to simply have that movement. And coming from a board sports background, I really wanted uh, to have something underneath my feet. I felt like it was the most important thing that I could do. And so while the standing desk was great, uh, I had found that I just had shifted that momentum um, off my tail end to my knees and my hips, and I was standing in my joints. And the moment that we put motion into our life, things start to flow, just like uh, productivity, right? I mean, if a body at rest stays at rest, and yep. things that are moving continue to move. And Fluid Stance is all about putting a motion platform underneath your feet to help maintain that natural state of flow. And we worked with the Mayo Clinic on research. They found that we increased the energy expenditure by 19.2%. Uh, in research, we found that our users are 83% happier uh, at their desk when they're on our product. So um, those are some of the things I'm most proud of. Um, but more importantly, it's, it's just a better way to work because it's more fun. Um, get rid of all the caloric burn and all of that gibberish. Man, if you're happier, you're going to do better. And that's really what... Um, is in my purpose on a day in day out basis. So when I when I first tried it, because uh, you guys sent me one to to check out, and I've it's become part of my my daily routine down here in the office. My son also really liked it because it kind of looks like a skateboard or a surfboard. So he's like, "Can I borrow that for a second? And he's like eight <laughs> years old. So I'm like, "Yeah, sure, whatever. Just don't wreck it because it's it's something I use now." Um, I had had plenty of experience. I have a standing desk. Like a little small standing desk. I, I've remodeled my office recently and I have a little sitting area. I have several different what I call productivity zones. So right now I'm sitting in the podcast productivity zone, which is like a tub chair with a little table attached to it. I'm kind of envisioning you across uh, in my office chair. So we're kind of having this conversation. So it's a bit more relaxed. Then I have this writing, uh, this fold up uh, desk that's my writing table, which is where I sit to do writing and planning. I'll often pull out a pen and paper there. But then I have this other little kind of um, portable cart that acts that can elevate and acts as a standing desk and that's where i use where, what i've what i used to use was i just had my um my anti-fatigue mat underneath it and i would stand there and and then and that that was fine and then all of a sudden this came along and and i, I it was it was definitely different um i immediately started to use it the same way that i used my anti-fatigue mat and mm. Probably should have read the uh, the time to move instructions that came with it first, because right out of the gate, that's one of the things you, you kind of say is you, you don't want to jump right into this in terms of using using the deck right away, especially not only if you haven't been standing at all, but let alone if you've if you've been standing. There's a ratio that you've talked about, right? You bet. Yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in the 70-20-10 model. There's a lot of different places it dictates in my life, but I think it's true for activity as well. Is 70% of our life is about hunkering down, getting the job done, and wherever you're most comfortable doing that. You know, for some people or some activities, you know, you need to be seated to be focused. But um, I I believe in the 20 and 10 model as an additive function that really improves your day. So 20% of your time is really that organic extension of ordinary moments with movement. So utilizing a product like ours, other people use treadmill desks, some people do walking meetings. There's a variety of ways to get that hybrid movement. Um, the Mayo Clinic calls it neat, uh, very technical work for essentially non-exercise activity. And the way that you can start to introduce that 
it's those ordinary moments where you create activity in your life where it's really be, can be game changing. That last 10% is all out movement. That's where transformation is created. That's where that hour in the gym or going for a hike or whatever, that's really important. But we forget that, that middle ground, if you will. And when you jump onto a product like ours, just like if I was training you to run a 10K off the couch, there's no way I would have you go run 6.2 miles uh, a day one. So like all things, your muscles need to work into something to start to um, kind of feel better along the way. And then as you strengthen your muscles and your body becomes conditioned to movement, you can start to increase that length of time. And on average, our users are on our product three hours a day. Uh, but I, I wouldn't suggest getting out of the, the gate with that. Um, I've seen a lot of research that 50% of your day shouldn't be more, um, you shouldn't have more than 50% of your day standing uh, because you just, you need that change. Um, anybody that's worked retail uh, or a cashier, uh, you know that standing can be painful as well. So the best thing you can do in your life is have moderation, um, whether it's how you work or how you stand. So there's a time to sit, a time to stand, and a time to move. So uh, we're about uh, getting movement in everybody's ordinary moments. So I'm going to link to obviously to the fluid stance deck and and not, you've got other stuff here as well that you offer. So I'll make sure to link to that. But you talked about this, the, the idea of everything in moderation mm-hmm. and productivity tends to be <clears throat> and time management, both tend to be this, uh, we hear about the extremes, you know, 10 X extremes, all this, like go fast, go, go big. Um, we don't hear things like moderation or be reasonable or um, how do you approach, I mean, you, you're running, you know, you're founder of a company. I mean, obviously you've got an active lifestyle. How do you approach this idea of like for, for back, balance, we can use the term balance, but this idea of moderation in other mm-hmm. elements of your life, not just obviously the physical. You bet. Great question. You know, I think a lot of people think about balance as equal. And um, when you think of a scale that has balance, you see equal weight on equal side. And I, I just don't think that's how society works anymore in that you can't have equal weight on both sides to maintain a balanced life. And so I, I think there's much more of a dynamic balance. So we can't be trees. We can't throw roots in the ground and wait for the world to come to us. We have to be much more mobile in how we work. Technology's gone that way how our peers are working. If you have millennials in your office, you know that they have a different dynamic as well. And going back to that 70-20-10, I I believe that 70-20-10 model is how I look at innovation. It's how um, we budget our resources and our time. So 70% of our investment in our employees' time, in R&D money, et cetera, goes into the bread and butter, the things that pay the bills today. We make an investment in 20% of our time and resources into organic extensions of our business. What are things that our customers will buy from us um, in the future? And then 10% in pure transformational. So, you know, Google is famous for that 10% time. And specifically what they're looking at there is um, how do we make sure our business is not the same in 10 years that is today? And um, I saw this first in the Harvard Business Review and, and the research that they had shown in companies that use this modeling for innovation. They found that that 10% time has the greatest return on investment, but obviously it's a longer lead. So you need to have different qualifications. So it, I think that's true in how we spend our time with our kids, uh, all those kinds of things. Like if I looked at my time with my kids, 
you know, making sandwiches for them this morning, that's my 70% of my time. If that becomes everything in that relationship, then I'm not going to be a great father. I need that balance in the 20 and 10 as well, uh, to really be at my best as a father, as a manager, as an innovator, or as a business person. So that's the modeling that I tend to try to dictate more places in my life. My, my friend's always have the joke with me. Oh, this is the 70, 2010 model again. I'm like, it, it works. <laughs> it works. <laughs> oh yeah. When you, when you, when you start to have these frameworks in place, people that look from the outside in don't seem to get them, but frameworks are really important. And I think that, that, um, putting them in place allows you to not just, not just kind of get through the day, but move forward and, and, and make big things happen. What, what other frameworks do you have in place that kind of, I mean, the, other than this, obviously it shows up quite a bit in your work, but are there any other frameworks that you put in place that maybe are rather unconventional? Kind of like this, the flute stance deck is, it's pretty unconventional. Most people are not, like I said, my son looked at it and goes, you know, Hey dad, cool. Can I borrow this thing and use it as I'm pretending to surf in the, on the rec room uh, carpet? Like there's some stuff that you've done that's unconventional. Is there anything else that you kind of look at and go, Hey, you know what? This is how, uh, you know, I, I, I do these other things that are pretty unconventional, these frameworks that I put in place. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty common these days, but walking meetings are just amazing. It, 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 my general manager and I uh, have a standing meeting, um, which actually means that we get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, we standing meeting on our calendar and anytime uh, living in Santa Barbara, our weather is beautiful. But anytime we have the opportunity to hit the street and uh, just allow the sun on our back, it, it seems like uh, problems just tend to melt away. So uh um, we live right by the train station. You can hear the train coming. So uh, mm -hmm. it's a constant reminder, uh, as simple as if the train rings, uh, think about a happy moment rather than, oh, man, here's the train again. So I, I just right. went to a happy moment. But <laughs> there are things like that in life where um, if we turn obstacles into opportunities, I, I think that's the most beautiful framework that we can have. The other one that I had the opportunity to uh, study with Tony Robbins on was I came into this business thinking I was a diehard entrepreneur. I, I had had a business I, in high school. I had a business. Um, I just thought I was an entrepreneur at my core. And the reality that I found out that my framework was really about being the artist. And that was nowhere more clear when I sold a company in 2008. You know, I, I got this big check. My wife's like, why, why aren't we celebrating? And I was, I was sad. And the reality for me was I wasn't done. You know, this thing wasn't taken as far. It wasn't the piece of artwork that I had imagined. It was amazing, but it, it wasn't all the way. And um, I started to realize as the as the artist in the organization, I have to find more balance with people that are more process oriented. And so I needed to find that manager slash leader to compliment me. And I also needed to surround myself with diehard entrepreneurs. They don't care what they're selling. They just want to figure out how we can get the engine from here to there and allow me to be that front end innovator that I want. But, uh, it wasn't till, you know, I added a GM to our business with that Sarah really helped, um, put rhyme and reason to our day in day out basis. And that, that was a big shift for us as a culture to have a visionary, which is the, the role that I tend to fulfill, but having an implementer in the business. And I know that's true in productivity as well on how you, create framework in your day so that you can be both. The reality for me is I wake up thinking about innovation. I don't think about how we're, we can shave margin or how we can change uh, a DC 
to make sure that the customer gets a product quicker, you know. And so it's that combination and that framework of all of that, that, that moderation, in my opinion, for our culture has been a big game changer for us as an organization. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. All right, it's time to take a break to talk about a returning sponsor to the podcast, the UCI Division of Continuing Education. Now, UC Irvine Division of Continuing Education was established in 1962 and has served the lifelong learning and career development needs of individuals, organizations, and the community on a local, regional, and global scale. I'm really excited to have them back because they offer courses and certifications taught by industry practitioners in a wide range of categories from business and leadership to tech, project management, which is near and dear to my heart, as you know, law, engineering, human resources, and over 60 convenient certificates and specialized studies programs on campus and online designed for the working professional. 100% online courses offer convenience and flexibility, which is huge, and also a real immersive online classroom experience that also contains collaboration with your peers, which is huge. Now, the UCI Continuing Education Program can help you gain an edge in your career, make a career transition, or simply help you become more knowledgeable, which is always, I mean, I'm a big believer in lifelong learning. Again, I have talked about this before, but I have an entire day, Thursdays is dedicated. My overarching focus is the theme is learning. Um, UCI Divisioning of Continuing Education, it provides you with the flexibility to stay on top of your game in your current role while preparing you to level up. So if you're in a position right now where you're like, hey, you know what? I'm feeling like I've kind of plateaued. I want to take things to the next level. The UCI Division of Continuing Education offers certifications and programs that will allow you to do just that. Open enrollment means that there are no applications to complete. You just got to log in and sign up and you can pay for a single course or enroll in an entire certificate program. You have full control over your academic plan. And I'm a big believer on that. And you can advance your career in as little as six months. Now, the fall quarter is coming up and registration is now open. So if you want to take advantage of an offer that the UCI Division of Continuing Education is, is putting out there for productivity as podcast listeners, go to ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and then enter the code TIMECRAFTING for 15% off of one course. So that's ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and enter the code time crafting and you'll get 15% off one course. Now this offer is valid only until December 31st, 2019 at 11 
59 p.m. So you'll want to take advantage of this offer while it lasts. I'd like to thank the UCI Division of Continuing Education for sponsoring this episode of the podcast, coming back into the fold and offering so much to Productivity as Podcast listeners like you. Now let's get back to the show. We'll shift back to, to health here for a second because it, health and energy are those things that we have more control over than uh, you know we and how we apply that to you know our, our actions and, and and the things that we're putting together. We have more control over that than we tend to think. Biases tend to show up, and we, we say we don't have time or or whatever. What when someone is trying to adopt you know a healthier lifestyle, uh, you know, and, and try to in, and and they want to do it in a way that can kind of not just be something that they do when they're off the clock, but just part of their clock. What are some of the things that you recommend that they, 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 they do beyond, you know, some of the stuff we've already touched on? Yeah. You know, I, I would separate the word from control because I think controlling your health is one of those challenges that there's a lot that's going to happen in this world that's outside of our control. Okay. But how you respond to what happens to you is entirely different. So I, Focusing on choice versus control, I think, is the number one thing to make change in our lives in anything that we're talking about. But um, you can always make a choice to take the first step, to go for a walk, things along those lines. So what, what I would encourage all of us to do is start to focus on what choices do I have versus what's in or out of my control uh, to make my life better. So for me, on the the choice perspective, it's just a matter of allocating kind of your day of where do I have choice to do or not to do. And one of the things that I think we underlook and where um, the Mayo Clinic has really opened my eyes to is this ordinary moments that you have the opportunity to go from sedentary, sedentary to active. So think about how much time you spend on email. And if you simply uh, stood on a product like ours, or even if you don't have a product like ours, if you stood on one foot while you do a certain percentage of your email, you're going to increase circulation in your body. That is a good thing. It's hard to define. It's not picked up on your Fitbit, but there is change that we've studied through VO2 and, and looking at the energy expenditures. There are simple things. I believe the biggest thing is balance is the greatest differentiator of all time. And I don't think we know how to talk about it because it's really hard to quantify. It's kind of like love or uh, things like that. We talk about Michael Jordan being so graceful. Really, what we're talking about is his ability to control his center of mass, whether he's being pushed or pulled physically or emotionally, was better than most athletes we've ever seen. And so how do we start to look at our center of mass physically, emotionally, and how do we make the choice uh, better? Um, balance is a use it or lose it situation. So it's as simple as uh, brushing our teeth on one foot. Next time you're waiting for your Uber or your plane, uh, looking for ways to put yourself out of um, balance. So how do you find places you can be a little bit unstable? Obviously, within a controlled situation is going to have so much remarkable improvement because uh, you know, a thousand paper cuts can bleed you to death, right? Same thing's mm -hmm. true here. A thousand changes in a positive direction can have huge impact. And so, um, taking the chairs, uh, the stairs over elevators, standing when you feel like sitting, um, it's amazing how much time you'll reduce, uh, looking at, uh, Amazon or ESPN or things along those lines when you just decide to get mobile and start to see the world. Um, yeah, and some of the other things you can do. Um, and Jay, by the way, I'll, I'll link back to James Clear's appearance on the show because he talks about habits, and this is like the like just the small incremental changes that can add up, right? Like small, small is beautiful, right? Like adding those bit by bit. But like other things that you can do are like you know, I I know that 
I, if I want to absorb information, especially the right kind of information, is I'll listen to podcasts while I'm going for a walk or something like. Rather than read the news or something like that, I'll 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 have audiobooks or some kind of audi- audible uh, learning uh, tool happening or just something to keep my mind occupied. If I want that to happen, because then then you know, because I think the brain and and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, I think when you're not doing anything but you're being active for some people, and I would say I'm one of those people that you go, okay, well, this. I could be doing things with my mind at the same time as this. And we don't really necessarily recognize that we're actually helping our mind by doing the physical activity. Do you know what I mean? For sure. And I really think it's just a two millimeter shift in how we think about it and the choice that we make um, over one thing or another. And, you know, if you go back to the corporate America, when my parents were in business, uh, if if they would have said, hey, I'm going to take a moment to go meditate um, in the corner, he probably would have been thrown off thrown out thinking he's some crazy out there. But the moment that we change the word meditation to mindfulness and that mindfulness can be purposeful, dedicated time to thinking bigger uh, without thinking at all. It's just a matter of shift and a matter of choice of how we look at the world. Um, We've all had those days. You wake up and and everything looks dark, like, you know, the best things in the world. But the moment that you can make that shift uh, to decide how you're going to look at the world a little bit differently or how you're going to turn downtime into um, productive time, things things change and things change drastically with just that shift in how we embrace the world into a more active mindset rather than waiting for the world to happen to us like we do sitting in our chair waiting for the email to come in. Yeah, I was listening to an episode of um, how, I, how I Built This uh, with uh, the founder of the Dollar Shave Company. And he said a phrase I'd never really heard before, but made sense. He goes, life happened on me, not to me, but on me. Like it was like the, the weight of, of the rest of life kind of, it, 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 he couldn't, he couldn't push it off of him. You know what I mean? Whereas we say life mm. happens to us. In this case, it was, there was almost like this sense of weight or, or, mm. um, uh, uh, almost like a, like a, like a depth to it. Whereas two is almost like it's with you, right. As opposed mm. to overwhelming you or, or causing you discomfort. Um, and, and I want to talk about something that th- this idea of discomfort, when it comes to the term of balance, you talked about getting a little bit out of balance. The term work-life balance has always kind of irked me because mm. of what, and I'm going to use something that you said, cause this is part of why it has is that balance is not an e- like, you know, there's, you're always kind of trying, it's like you're trying to, 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 you've got two, two sides of a scale that you're trying to make it work. And, and it's a lot of work to do that. What do you think about that term work-life balance? Do you think it's, it's a, do you think there's some merit to, do you think that there is, it's, it's accurate, you know, to the, to the, to the nth degree, or do you think it's like, no, this is a term that's been over, overused and, and probably, um, you know, mis misinterpreted over the years. In its essence, it's dead on. I mean, it is what it, it is what the world constantly seeks, but it is so misused and it's used as a crutch or a cop out all the time. It is hey, I'm seeking a work life balance, and um, I'm it's going to let me stall. So I, I think people have used work life and stalling um, almost in the same uh, depth or, or conversation. In my opinion. Um, true work-life balance is um, just like an athlete on your toes, moving forward, ready for anything rather than 
um, how I hear people work life balance is on your heels, waiting for the world to come to you. Um, all of those kinds of things. I'm a big believer in meditation, uh, but I think that is a, a movement forward rather than kind of waiting and uh, just kind of sitting and waiting for the world to come to you. So I, I think it's just a misuse of a term. Um, and I think it's gone so far that uh, I'm not sure it's recoverable. Uh, we talk about it all the time, but I, I believe that pain is a great clarifier. I think that instability is where you find balance. I think anything that moving is in balance and uh, a pillar is not imbalance. It's just structurally engineered to be so rigid uh, to withstand a certain thing, but life isn't certain all the time. And so we have to be much more dynamic in our flow. And that's where I think our product is a little bit of a representation of, hey, you just got to keep moving. Even when things feel incredibly stuck, uh, movement is what eventually will free that mind and free the body and the business to move forward. Why do you think, um, and I, I ask a lot of people this, um, but I, I don't think I've asked anybody in your kind of realm this before, but why do you think people generally, uh, and, and again, I'm being general here, uh, why do you think they're generally okay with the way things are? So, for example, um, you know, you hear, you know, again, we I've talked a little bit about biases, but, you know, I, I love to get in better, better shape, but I don't have time. The story that we tell ourselves, all that. Why do you think that, and, and not only why do you think, but what, what is the one, if, if someone was to try to make that, like you said, that small shift, what's the one thing that they could do that is so, it might be simple to do, but not easy <laughs> that would help them with that shift. Sure. The word that comes to mind is just numb. Mm. It is, you know, I think we've gotten to the point that, uh, we can be so numb through such incredible pain, whether that's self-inflicted, inflicted by others. Um, but, you know, I think it, that that lack of awareness of the present moment is is crazy. I, my car is uh, a couple of blocks away from where our offices are, and I'm commonly walking through. We, there's a lot of uh, wineries in our area. Uh, we're down in the funk zone of Santa Barbara and a lot of warehouses have turned into wineries. And the amount of times that I walk through seeing couples sitting at a table, presumably on vacation with their head down on their phones, uh, just, it's just crazy to me in that we have found this numbness and that the new norm is numb. Mm. Um, and had the opportunity to hear uh, a professor at Wharton uh, make a presentation on how technology is really changing the physical wiring of our mind. And he had something that's really stuck with me is uh, an hour a day, a day a week, a week, a year uh, of digital vacations to be able to make sure that you maintain a proactive mind rather than a reactive mind. And I, I think we have allowed ourselves to become numb. And so comfort feels okay when the reality is, is that you just stop feeling the things that are happening to you in the world around you. Um, I was talking to uh, my friend Cal Newport about this. Actually, as we're recording this episode, I'm telling you, we, we uh, you know, I mean, it was one of the things I talked about him on on the episode that I had him on it about digital minimalism and taking that like 30 days away from that kind of stuff to kind of figure out what's really important and remember what, you know, you need to be doing. Uh, and what you should be doing as opposed to these things that are pulling you away. And one of the things I mentioned on that episode is like putting things on your to-do list that you wouldn't normally think to. Like, 
Uh, I wrote an article that said, you know, one thing you could do to make your to-do list better right now is to add the task, make a difference in someone's day and make it like a recurring Mm -hmm. task you could check off. Because those things, or even, you know, like you said, even something like, you know, having a reminder to say, hey, don't forget your 20, don't forget your 20%. Like, Mm. especially if you're, you're like, oh, right. 20%, like anything that can trigger you. And I think that, I think triggers can help us escape that numbness. Right. But you have to do it. They have to be personal triggers and you have to take the time to set them up. Right. You bet. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. I actually think taking that 70, 20, 10 model even further, I I think there's this 1%, which are what I call windows to the soul, where if you took 1% of your awake hours, which roughly is over an hour and a half a week, and you dedicated towards something that that's going to take you way outside your norm, um, that things will start to change and directional change will make. And so when I look at that innovation or transformational change, whether it's my relationship with my wife, whether it's time with myself or my kids or any key relationship, I, I try to dedicate 1% of the day to understanding what is the biggest hopes, dreams, whatever that they are looking at mm-hmm. and try to dedicate that time to it. Because for me, all that stands for is how can I shock the system? Yeah. Um, how can I have the benefits of pain without having pain? And if pain is a great clarifier and a lot of people try to, in my opinion, establish a, an element of pain because that's where the body can respond. How do we have the benefits without having the actual negative so that we can respond in proactive ways to have the benefits of that uh, crisis, if you will, in a positive light. So before we go, I want to I want to touch on one more thing about about the product that I'm looking at right now, which I'm looking at it from the backside, so I can see just the the like just the metal the 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 metal elements underneath it, and it's just so well crafted. It's very easy to to just make something. And, and I mean, we see it a lot where it's like, okay, I'm going to make this thing and it's functional, but it, it, there's a, there's a lack of elegance or beauty to it. How important is it? Not just with, I mean, obviously I can tell it's important with, with your products, but I want to definitely touch on that. But how important is that, is that element of elegance or beauty or craft in, in, in what you do? Let's talk about the, the fluid stance stuff first, but also with, with your own, with your own stuff. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that a great deal. First of all, um, that means a lot uh, for me. You know, when we built this, it's that standard uh, Simon Sinek model. It's not what you do; it's why you do it. Mm-hmm. And for me, that technical benefit versus the emotional benefit is really important. We weighed heavy on having that technical benefit. We needed to increase energy expenditure by more than ten percent. I needed to have less than one percent impact on your keystroke productivity because. If I make you move a lot, but you can't do what you need to do, it's meaningless. So we focused on that technical side, but then we turned to, okay, we got the geometry right. We know the parameters of what we need to do, but how do we make sure that this is uh, more art than it is function? And how do we make sure that this is as beautiful as it, as it works? Um, And so, you know, we put kind of a flag in the ground said, this needs to be worthy of a New York high rise. And uh, we set off with an incredible designer who really has come outside the space. And I wanted to make sure we weren't equipment and I wanted to make sure we weren't a toy because I think if we are either one of those, uh, we wouldn't be taken seriously and people wouldn't, wouldn't appreciate that. And I, I think the beauty of design is 
how much you can strip out of a concept and still have the purity of the moment. And I know that's said all the time and great design really is simplicity. And that's one of the things we try to hold the standard to is, uh, what's that saying? I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have time, yeah. right? Yeah, I can remember. It was a twain, I think it was, or, so, or yeah, somebody said exactly. that, yeah. So the same thing is the beauty of design for me is the simplicity. And uh, a lot of people are like, hey, you know, where's the motor? Where's It doesn't have it. You know, we're, we're utilizing your own natural movement um, and a lot of things. Like our patent is based on having your ankle stop at uh, 16 degrees mobility, which is the same as your heel strike. So that's really where we focused. Uh, uh, one thing that you mentioned about the toy component, <laughs> the reason my son likes to play with it is because he looks so darn good. It looks super cool. So I think you could have both happening. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> uh, Joel, thanks so much for taking the time today to speak with me. Um, where can people pick up uh pick up the fluid stance deck as well as other products that you offer because you have a variety of the decks too and then where else can they keep up with you and your work fluidstance.com we sell direct uh we have this I, I was selling shoes for so long uh and making them in china we make everything within the u.s so we're really proud of that but i also wanted to have a better relationship with the customer rather than going through uh middlemen if you will so uh, best way is to pick it up on fluid stance and, uh, you can follow me, uh, in a variety of social ways. It's all Joel Heath. So try to keep it pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the time today. I had a great time chatting with you. Thanks for joining me on the show. My appreciation. Thank you very much for your time, Mike. And there you go. Uh, as I wrap this up, balanced on my fluid stance balance board, uh, I'm really happy I was able to deliver this episode to you. Joel Heath uh, was was it was just a great episode all around. A great conversation. I felt I felt. I hope you enjoyed it too. If you enjoyed this episode, I want you to check out the show notes. Everything we talked about, all those talking points at productivityist.com/podcast255. Yes, to episode 255 is already in the books. And again, you should check out what Fluid Stance has to offer. I'm really really happy with this. Um, you know, again, listen to kind of the stuff that we talked about. You don't want to jump in, just like with my productivity methodology, time crafting. You don't want to do it all at once because uh, that that's not necessarily the best way. Slow and steady kind of wins the race, right? Bit by bit. Uh, that's kind of the, the message that Joel was sending. And uh, I'm really, really happy I was able to deliver this episode to you in this conversation. Uh, I want to thank John Polster for producing this episode, as always. I want to thank Connie for putting the show notes together. And I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, the UCI Division of Continuing Education. Uh, again, that fall quarter is coming up. So registration's open now. So what I want you to do is visit ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and then enter time crafting as the promo code to get 15% off of one course. So again, that's ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and then enter time crafting to get 15% off of one course. If you have missed any of my past episodes, you can easily get access to them by subscribing to the podcast and Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you are listening to podcasts. Because when you subscribe, you don't only get the weekly episodes, you don't only get the weekly episodes as they come to you, but you can access the archives really super easily. We've had great guests, Cal Newport, uh, Josh Kaufman, Tim Grawl, 
the list goes on and on and on. So we've we're, again, 255 episodes in, there's lots of stuff there. There's a rich archive for you to check out. So please give that a, a listen and subscribe to the show. And if you like what you hear, ratings and reviews are always appreciated. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Mike Barty, the host of the Productivities Podcast, balancing myself here right now, uh, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. I'll see you later.